and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMEA markets. It's Tuesday, October 31st, and I'm Andrew Ross. Coming up this week, I'll be speaking with our senior editor, Magnus Sherman, ahead of Reorg's London Credit Seminar on November 2nd at the Biltmore in London. We will then run through the key highlights from the primary market this past week. But first, we will discuss Swedish cosmetics group Oriflame, which has recently seen its notes fall to the low 30s as it contends with operational pressures. Joining us now is credit analyst Nikhil Versani. Hi Nikhil. Oriflame is currently under a lot of pressure operationally, and with the notes in the low 30s, could you tell us a bit more about the situation and what's really going on there? Hey Andrew, sure. So Oriflame is a Swedish headquartered cosmetics group that uses a direct selling business model and also has significant operations in emerging markets. Um, the group has suffered significantly through the loss of its members who sell their end products and the business has been in decline for a couple of years now. On the back of persistent decline in its top line and EBITDA, the management needs to find a path um, to stem the bleeding in its declining member base and turn the business around ahead of an inevitable restructuring. So the group's notes, which are trading in the low 30s, mature in May 2026. So absent any liquidity issues, which we don't foresee in the near term due to availability under its RCF and the cost saving program which which it's implementing, we see a lack of near term triggers this also affords Oriflame's relatively new CEO and CFO time to attempt to steer the, the company towards some form of stability. Now, over the near term, we expect the group's member base to continue its decline, leading to a falling revenue, um, while continued margin pressure should lead to cash burn as well for the full year. And that should also lead the, the leverage to continue its climb. Now, leverage was about 10.5 times as of September this year, compared to around six and a half times at the start of the year. Um, having said that, although we forecast the group to return to cash generation on a levered basis after sort of lease costs, albeit at minimum levels, minimal levels in 2026, underwhelming EBITDA recovery is not enough for the group to be able to sufficiently deliver towards refinancing levels. Um, and those are sort of forecasts that we have under our base case. Now, given that our waterfall analysis shows the value breaking among the secured notes, um, along with structural lingering um, operational challenges, as well as limited options available to it, we consider a debt for equity swap for the Oriflame's 2026 notes together with an A&E of the remaining notes as the best way for the company to sort of address its highly highly leveraged um, capital structure. So with a restructuring looking like the only option on the cards, what does this mean for the notes given the current price? Well, overall, at the current bond price in the low 30s, if you sort of pair that with the further de-risking from cash coupons, depending on the restructuring date, of course, um, it appears that a material amount of the downside risk on the notes may already be priced in. Under our base case, we estimate an IRR of about 18% from buying the bonds at their current price and facing a restructuring event at the end of 2025, whereby we see a potential 70% haircut taken to achieve a target sustainable capital structure. Now, although the IRR may seem somewhat interesting to potential investors, there remains a substantial, substantially high degree of 
um, execution risk on management's behalf, with the prospects of an operational turnaround appearing to be clouded, along with highly uncertain standpoint with regards to shareholder supportiveness. Um, in addition to that, we believe the the cost-saving program here is integral towards the group avoiding substantial cash burn and and was sort of avoiding the, the sort of market concerns around liquidity issues. The, the cost savings are largely centered around it letting go of around 20% of its employees, which corresponds to around 35 million in savings annually and a further 10 million of savings that they sort of forecast, which are sort of more related to working capital. Okay, thanks, Nikhil. And if you're interested in learning more about the situation, our forecast and restructuring considerations will be published in an analysis piece for Oriflame later today. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey in the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Hi Magnus, thanks for joining us. As I mentioned in the introduction, you'll be hosting a panel discussion this Thursday, November 2nd. Um, can you tell us a little bit more uh, about your panel and what we might um, glean from glean from the panel? Yes, hi Andrew. Uh, yep, we'll be uh, looking at a number of things. We have a full hour, so I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, we'll be looking at uh, some of the dynamics behind a trend that we're seeing at the moment in, in distress and restructuring, which is the, the rise of lenders taking control of the businesses that they've lent into. Um, we'll be exploring why that is happening uh, to the extent it is at the moment. Then we'll be looking at liability management exercises and A&Es as well. And, um, and then we're also going to be uh, exploring with the panelists how CLOs, because they are still playing a, a pretty big role in this, how they are navigating uh, this, uh, this situation uh, this time around. Wow, A&Es and liability management exercises, a very timely panel, um, given some of the names that we're actually covering at the moment. Yeah, definitely. We're trying to make it as applied as possible and and uh, hold on to some real life examples as well. I should mention, I want to, or I want to mention who is on my panel. Uh, with me, I'll have Christian Herman from Polis Capital Management, Ghani Diwan from Triton, Sam Whitaker from Lassard, and Toby Smythe from Sam, uh, Simpson Thacker. Um, I will also just mention that on the first panel, uh, where they will be discussing uh, performing credit and pr the primary market with BART, uh, it'll be Camille McLeod Salmon from Fidelity, Jamie Kane from Musinich, and Natalie Day Netter from JP Morgan, and finally Peter Starlins from CVC. Wonderful. I look forward to it. And just to our listeners at home, more information on the event is available at reorg.com forward slash events, or you can email marketing at reorg.com for further information. Joining me now is Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Mervolian. Hi, Beatrice. Could you tell us what's going on in the primary market? Yes, this week um, things have gone a bit quiet again. Even though um, the UK half-term holiday is over for most schools and investors are back at their desks, issuers are holding back until third quarter results are released before bringing new debt to the, to the primary market. But the pipeline for primary issuance for the rest of the year is also expected to be limited, as many investors are thought to have put enough money to work for the, uh, for the year after the very busy period in September and also the conflict in Israel and Gaza is keeping market sentiment a bit difficult. 
Last week ended with chemical company Ineos Quattro launching about 2 billion euro equivalent um, in a euro and dollar term loan bees for refinancing and to fund the company's acquisition of the Eastman, Texas City plant in Texas. The debt package is also expected to include 800 million euro equivalent of other secured debt, which may be a bond. German software company Suze priced a term loan B to fund EQT's acquisition of a stake in the company that it didn't own following its IPO of the group in 2021. Investors noted that Suze is a distant second to its first placed competitor. It lacks pricing power and faces constant change to consumer needs and technology as well as fierce competition. Performance has been weak over recent months, but is expected to improve for Suze. This week, healthcare group Cooper Consumer Health launched a 1.105 billion euro term loan B due in 2028 to fund the acquisition of Pia Viatris's European OTC business. Next week, Reorg is partnering with the IWIRC for their annual London conference. IWIRC, or International Women in Insolvency and Restructuring Confederation is holding the conference on Wednesday, November 8, and Reorg Shan Karashi will be moderating a discussion about AI in the legal sector with an expert lineup including Ken Bard from Freshfields, Lisa Rickleton from FTI, and Julia Marshall from Alvarez and Marcel. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>